This is Power Athlete Radio. With your hosts, Denny Kaye, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. This is Power Athlete Radio. Oh, you're supposed to do it as Denny. Oh, what's up, Power Athlete Nation? We got an awesome show for you. Uh, um, Denny, Denny is out running an errand with uh, with Wellborn right now, and so he's somewhere somewhere on the 405, trapped in a van, uh, hearing story after story. Jammed the 405. Just jammed. because it said jammed. So they're they're kind of out on uh, a task and assignment. It's going to be myself. This is Callie. What's okay. up? <laughs> that, it's supposed to be me. Oh. Hey. Uh, we have Luke. What's up? <laughs> Tex. Howdy. And of course, Howdy. of course, Denny's uh, co-host, Steve Playtech, a.k.a. Professor Booty. What's up, guys? <clears throat> so I think the first thing we need to do is since, uh, since we haven't talked to Steve in so long, it's, it feels like how long? I don't know, a month or something. My life hasn't been complete. And, uh, <laughs> Steve completes us, um, but Steve's gone big time uh, with the yeah. grid. So, Steve, what's going on with the grid? How's the training going? Tell us the dirt within your team. Or is there any like, has any has any romances blossomed among the team members? Um, uh, no, we have a really odd team actually. We've got uh, some real characters on there. Uh, one in particular is Julian Cerna. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Julian Cerner, but he's a Miami local badass. Um, I think he's like a break dancer slash crossbowler slash like international man of mystery. Um, and he's spicing it up. Our team seems really cool. Um, they're going to put us up for training camp starts. I got to leave this weekend. It starts on Monday. And um, they're going to put us up in a, I think it's a five bedroom house on the beach. So, Real world. So Real world really, Miami. So it's going to be like a cross between training camp and real world, which I think could be bad. Are you going to have cameras <laughs> in the house? So I saw that my coach posted something on Facebook about um, uh, is anybody in the Miami area um, interested or capable of doing uh, reality TV videography? Oh, so, my God. A little bit. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> this is our no. First off, first, this is our idea. Yeah, listen to this idea. <laughs> Me, Callie, Ben, our significant others, as well as Chelsea and Sprague, all in one house <laughs> in Southern California. Uh, that sounds terrible. It'd be great. Honestly, You'd have a great time. Uh, I want to kill we myself. We invented that a year ago. Seen it. It's a pretty good idea, though. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, I'm excited to hear if that actually comes to fruition. If like, if you guys actually get a videographer, you've got to, I mean, how is that going to work out? You'd have to be pretty careful as to what you do and say, or just not throw caution to the wind and say, fuck it. And then how you'll have your own spinoff at the end. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you think, uh, so training down in Miami, I mean, that's where your training camp is located, right? Yeah, we're at uh, Broward CrossFit in Fort Lauderdale, which I guess oh, is yeah. about 20 minutes out of Miami. 
Yeah, so it's 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 hot as balls down there right now. Yeah, um, sure. But you're from Georgia, so that's not really going to affect your training that much, you think? No, I mean, I'm used to the humidity, right? So um, that's about the only thing that will really affect it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, our gym does have a, a cryo box in-house, so that'll be nice. After workouts, we'll be able to cool off. Cryo box? Like a, like a liquid hydrogen. It's like a... It's like a stand-up ice bath. It brings it down to like minus 270, minus 300 in oh three God. minutes. And you're like, have either of you been in one of those before? No. Oh it's, well, I've seen it. I saw it in a movie once. I think it was Terminator Star 2. Star Wars. Terminator <laughs> 2. The T-2000. Fly Stallone in a movie? Yeah, Demolition Man. Demolition Man. <laughs> so the, uh, one of the well-born adventures I've been on when we did a cert down in Tucker's Place in Fort Worth, uh, Dr. Tom was in Dallas, and Dallas is like, uh, you know, 45 minutes from Fort Worth. So naturally, we had to go pick up Dr. Tom, and we met him at a cryotherapy lab. So basically, we all got this cryotherapy uh, on on the house because they wanted to, you know, get Dr. Tom to buy these machines. Cool. And it was it was freezing cold, but I'll tell you, I never felt better for about 30 minutes afterwards. I don't know if it really works or placebo, but it's pretty good. I mean, it's gotta be doing something like- I guess the, uh, the physiology behind it, as far as I know, and you know, I, I feel like all this stuff is black magic or something, you know? But um, the idea, I guess, is it sends your body into a, like a, a thermal shock. So it uh, draws all the blood into the core of your body to protect it as if you were say like in the Arctic circle. And then, so it brings it, draws the blood into the core. And then once you step out into the real temperature, the body gives like that compensatory, oh shit, let's pump blood to all the extremities. And basically just flushing the system of any kind of toxins and that sort of thing. That's, that's the sort of basic like kindergarten yeah. physiology that I understand. So it's like hyper blood flow afterwards. Right. Just like, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. That's huh. Wow. I have never, I, I never knew that existed, but it just, it just feels good in Miami because it's so fucking hot there. Yeah, I'd probably be just in and out all day. Wow. Yeah. Um, so what else is going on? Um, how is how's everything else going with the team? You guys have uh, competed now already. So tell us about some of your experiences with that. Yeah. So we've only competed in the exhibition <laughs> matches in um, at the draft after the draft, and. Um, I think we have a strong team. I think we've got some, uh, we don't have maybe the high profile um, uh, athletes necessarily. We have some pretty pretty strong guys though. I mean, uh, one of the teammates, Marco Coppola, he snatches over 300. Mick Uranker just snatched 300. And they're also like good at other stuff too. Good. So, uh, like, you know, like pull-ups and toes to bars and shit like that. And mm -hmm. um, we got some pretty badass girls too. So I think, it's hard to say who's going to be competitive because there's a couple of teams that are stacked with what you would consider sort of A-list CrossFitters, you know, the names that you you know, um, but how well that's going to come together in a team situation, you know, is is to be seen. So, um, I don't know, it's pretty exciting. We'll see what happens. I'm just, training camp is an opportunity for me to try and go and be a starter. We have um, two 40-plus male athletes, me being one of them, um, and so I just got to go down and um, – 
kind of bust my ass for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So uh, have you been um, privy to or have you experienced any of the, the kind of outlandish workouts that they have, like the stuff that they're doing with the med balls or some of the stuff that does differentiate itself from CrossFit, like traditional yeah. CrossFit? Yeah. So I've done some of the um, med ball to bar, like the toe to bars. Toe to bar with the med ball between your legs. Yeah. And that's not so bad, actually. I mean, you know, coming off of field strong and that sort of thing, our, our trunks are strong enough. So the weight is only 18 pounds or, or maybe it's 24 pounds, something like that. It's, um, it's not a very, it's not a pretty movement. I mean, it looks like a strict toes to bar. Yeah. Look like, I mean, actually I would say it's prettier than a kipping toes to bar, but, um, it's, it's not that challenging. Um, I can't do freestanding handstand pushups. Uh, yet so those are a challenge for me um, but with my wingspan that's like you know like a nine foot press um, so yeah with some of the stuff is you know weighted pull-ups 20 pound 24 pound med ball between the legs that's you know you could crush that stuff so yeah cool so it's just it's not that different it's just you kind of you can't put it in the same uh in, in terms of technique you're not gonna be doing like a kipping med ball to bar yeah i mean you i mean the thing about the kipping toe bar you have to bring your feet down so fast to catch the kip that mm -hmm. with the ball i just don't think you can do it you're you kind of have a natural eccentric loading that you can't just throw it back there and if you sure. do people who have tried to do that have ended up throwing the ball across the grid and yeah. then you know, losing valuable time. I mean, you know, the, the, the events, some of the, I've done one backward roll to support, which is stupid because I weigh 220 pounds. The chance <laughs> of me having to do any of those in a competition are slim to none, mm -hmm. but um, just like make sure I could get up there and flail about aimlessly on the rings. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the thing about it is it's not so much those, those technical moves that are differentiating it. It's the, it's the head to head uh, competition that I think really differentiates it. Um, you know, you look over and you look at the person next to you and they're one rep ahead of you, or if you're on the bench, you can even look at the scoreboard and see where your team is. And, um, I think that anticipation and sympathetic nervous system jacking up your adrenaline is going to change the way you handle those additional technical movements. Right. So do you know, it's like, do you choke under that pressure or can you just grab a ball and go? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, I watched, um, uh, they were live streaming the event. So when Steve was down there competing, I just kind of peeked in while I was uh, just doing some work and they talked a lot about the specialist. So I know that's a word that we haven't heard in a while with, with this fitness thing. And I was thought it was kind of cool that they're bringing that back. And we met an, a former NFL wide receiver. That's actually, he's, uh, he's on, I forget which team, but he's in the grid league because he's such just a dynamic athlete and they need him for the freak stuff. So it was cool. That's that Steve, uh, Steve Youngstown or uh, what was his name? Steve Something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I gotta look, I'll find it right now. Yeah. Cause he, he was one of the guys who put up a 41 and a half inch vert at the, at the booth. And he did that at regionals as well. So, I mean, the dude, the dude's powerful. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, he can move. And, you know, he looks well put together as, uh, in addition to that, you know, just big shoulders, lean. Uh, I've seen some of his stuff on Instagram. He can move some heavy weight for his size. So it's uh, that, that utility. James, James Townsend. James Townsend. Why do I keep thinking this? Because his, his, uh, his Instagram is like close. something young. young so, Texan, would you say... 
um, that his, because of his experience as an NFL wide receiver, his ability to display praxis is beyond that of, say, a CrossFitter who knows the workouts and has done them numerous times or, you know, works within just their typical planes of motion. I'd say he's got an advantage uh, twofold. Number one, he's going to be calm, cool under this pressure. When uh, I, I did watch Steve's team can kind of make some mental mistakes. I know he's going to bash me for that, but they, they did screw up when there is, you know, still a margin for error. It's very slim in that league since it's so fast. Uh, so he, he offers that. And then the second thing is that praxis. Say they come up with some new movement or some new protocol that, many of those uh, former CrossFit or fitness athletes have never done before, I guarantee he's going to pick it up quicker and faster than anyone else in the league. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's I agree. Cool. And, um, there's no bashing. That um, <clears throat> the, whole, the whole match is uh, um, basically, I think it's won or lost on those mental errors. You know, um, people knowing where they need to be at the right time and tagging out correctly and not making dumb errors, that, that's because everyone can do this stuff. Right? Like, we know the season's um, races ahead of time, but we know, we know all of the events for the whole season. And, um, you know, where, where, where it's going to be won or lost is those dumb mental errors or team mistakes or lack of communication. Um, in Miami, I saw um, a, a relatively prominent CrossFitter. <clears throat> the last, the last, um, the last movement of one of the races was an overhead squat, and you had to do 40 reps. But there were two athletes on the grid, so you could do 10, 10, 10, 10, 20, 20. So he did 20 really fast, and then he did 19 more really slow. The other team went changed every five reps and they smoked them by like 35 seconds. Yeah. So just trying to be that hero, probably didn't feel slower to him because you know, sometimes that awareness of how fast you're moving the bar, it's um, <laughs> not always clear in our heads. So, you know, there, there the coach was on the sideline saying, drop it, drop it, change, change. And he just kept trucking ahead and he actually lost that race and they lost the match because of that particular event. Yeah, that's why when uh, Luke and I always compete together, he always just does five reps and then just quit. Then he just quits because <laughs> he doesn't want to slow down, you know, he's one speed. The real story goes, <laughs> it was back in April, we were at the Mid-Atlantic Affiliate Challenge, oh, and our God. team, me and Rob, did all those overhead squats while you girls were just hanging out there. We weren't just hanging out, we were doing our nails. I don't know if you know how important Smoking that is. Smoking cigs, doing <laughs> your nails. My nails are wet. The lack anyway. of acid build up from doing your nails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've done it, obviously. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's an, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, uh, being the hero or wanting to finish a set or something like that. Um, yeah, and like you said, you have a, it's a hard, it's it's kind of hard to see and feel how fast the reps are going because regardless, like the intensity is high for you, you know, and so you you may feel like you're going fast, but. And then ultimately, wouldn't you say that that's the coach's fault? Or like Steve, is the coach involved? Yeah. In the sides and yeah. So the coach, uh, the coach can run up and down the sideline. I guess is what we would call it from the start to the finish line. And um, I think I'm not sure. It's a, it's a conflict between maybe the coaches. They were kind of trying out some new ideas down in Miami, mm -hmm. and um, 
also getting the athletes to actually listen to the coaches because I would say almost, you know, most, if not all of these athletes have never had a coach at a CrossFit competition or fitness competition along the sidelines saying do X, Y, or Z. It's uh, here's the game plan, Rep, you know, pace out your reps like 10, come off the bar, 10, come off the bar, wh whatever it is. And here's a case where the coach is actively evaluating the fatigue level and the score. So. Um, as an example, one of the events is a, is a speed strength ladder. So um, you go through as many barbells as you can. And every athlete participates, and the team that wins gets two points, and then there's one point up for grab for the team whose women lift the most weight. So if you have the, the most load moved and the strongest women, you get three points. The other team has zero points. But if their women are stronger than you, then they get the one point and you get two points. So it could be a really defining race. Um, and if you're at a point where um, your last athlete is a female, but you've got some guy on the grid who just wants to show that he can clean 380, you've already got those two points wrapped up. It'd be better to send him off the, the grid and get that girl an extra barbell, which might be the difference between a point or no point, and then that race and maybe the whole match. So, like those are the kinds of things that the coaches really. I I don't. I wouldn't want to be a coach because you got to watch. You got to have eyes in like twelve different places, like any coach in any sport, I guess. Yeah, so I I would put it. Uh, I would put it on on both of them. So that coach needed to kind of send the message that like you are a very skilled athlete, but you're no longer on your own. So in many other CrossFit competitions, it's just you against the barbell or the clock. And this one is we have a strategy involved. So you may have 10 reps left, but this girl, this guy's 10 reps are going to be faster. So right. I would, but the athlete, he needs to, uh, he needed to understand that, but he, you know, pride and ego get in the way. So he may have been trying to, you know, knock out all 30, but at the end of the day, this is a team game. So I would put it on the coach and the athlete. Maybe he didn't effectively communicate or maybe the athlete just, he effectively communicated or he did communicate and the athlete just blew him off. Yeah, what's the dynamic, Steve, between the athletes and the coaches? I mean, is there is there that, the level of respect that you would expect from any other team setting or, um, you know, are people uh, pretty responsive? Are the athletes pretty responsive to the coaching? <clears throat> Um, in, in like real time, like in the, I mean, cause you know, we're so used to like, kind of like uh, Tex was saying, we're, we're so used to doing one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's competing in our box, competing at little throwdowns, stuff like that. But you know, we not, not very many people have real time coaching where, I mean, there's money on the line and you're expecting, uh, you know, there's a lot more on the line and, and, you know, you've been drafted on this team under the law and the rules, you know, of this, of this coach and, and his guidance, you know? Right. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to maybe like play this one a little bit safe here. I think, um, I think the coaches are going to have a challenge reining some athletes in. And I would say particularly, particularly those athletes whose only or major sport for the last few years has been CrossFit as an individual or even mm -hmm. as a team or um, those athletes who have never played on a team sport, right? Um, or haven't maybe in a long time. I, I can, um, it's hard for me to say on my team because when you're in the thick of it, it's, you know, it's, it's weird to, to think about, but I saw some teams where you could almost see the players on the grid 
trying to be the coach. Mm-hmm. You, it's, I mean, you can see that the coach says, A, they go out there and the athletes are like either verbally or non-verbally communicating and doing something other than what the coach said. And I mean, there were times where some of the other coaches got straight pissed. Like the coach from the DC Brawlers, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. He seems like he's not the kind of guy who's going to take any shit. And I think what's going to happen is during training camp and during some of the, the early matches, if that if that happens and that loses matches, like you said, there's sponsorships and there's money on the line and and potentially these coaches' jobs on the line as well. So, I mean, I'm sure they're not, they're not making, you know, big NFL or NCAA coach salaries, but they want to be doing it. So they're going to have to probably um, either rein some people in or some people who expect to play might be benched. Um, because I this is the kind of sport where I can see individual talent going a long way but um, uh, so like say um, super high talent going a long way, but maybe just like high talent and good teamwork going a lot further. Yeah, sure. For sure. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Reminds me of this flag football league I'm in. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't even have a coach. Well, like the, with, in okay, any, right. yes, you've taken on that role. No, no, I haven't. There's a kid, there's a guy who who's wants wants that role. I don't want that role. But uh, there's but <coughs> any any of those, even it's like intramural or like any rec team where there is no true coach and there's just kind of a captain. Uh, you know, false leadership and false profits always arise. You know, and it's based off of what they think they can do better. And uh, those people don't. You know, depending on how good of a friend you are with that, those type of people, they either a people just ignore whatever they say because they know or B, they don't last on the team, you know, regardless of how good their talent is. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, like you said, Steve, the, the, the teams that have uh, maybe less standout single athletes, like less of those higher name CrossFitter athletes who are doing well because they have a cohesiveness and um, a much better like team bond and a much better, uh, receptive attitude towards coaching, it'll be interesting to see them do well. And I think it will also within like this inaugural year of the grid, I think it'll set a tone for like the years to come. So it's kind of like a make or break thing in my mind. Like if you see these athletes who are these standalones and kind of, uh, I don't know that if, if it feel if it doesn't feel like a team sport and you can pick that up, whether through watching live or on TV, I would be less inclined to watch it because if I just wanted to watch crossfitters exercise, that's what the games are for, you know, but if it feels very team and it gives you goosebumps because these athletes are working together and the coaches uh, know what they're doing and they can connect with their athletes. That to me sounds much, much more like what I want to watch. Yeah. And I think that that's going to come out where you're going to have some people that you're going to say, well, I mean, like, you know, people are going to say, who is this guy or who, but then works as a team and really pulls through and guts through. And like you said, it's going to make people tune in. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I I, I wouldn't want to coach his job. I think there's definitely going to be some personality and there's going to be some, you know, um, pissing matches for people who either made regionals, didn't make the games, made the games, but didn't win or didn't make regionals or what have you, you know, um, trying to show their stuff. And there are some strong people in this league and there are some people that are strong and would be fan. And I, you know, cause I've throughout the various combines, I've gotten to work out with a lot of the people who have been drafted on various teams. Cause each, each level of the combine, you basically just get shuffled to a new team. And there are definitely people in the league and, several people on my team that I'm glad to be on a team with and people that I would be. And then there were people that I worked with who just 
man, I don't know, prima donnas or what have you. And, you know, that's going to happen. And like you said, hopefully that will either get um, uh, fixed by the coach or the team. Because I, I feel like when I play team sports, if someone, I played hockey, right, which, you know, whatever, ice hockey. And um, if, uh, if somebody was trying to be a, a stud and we were losing because of it, the team came down hard on that person. Yeah. Depending on whether yeah. they were the star or not. I mean, I don't care how many goals you score. If you score two goals every game and we still lose every game because you're hogging the puck, um, that's not that's not what we, we don't want you on the team, right? right. Um, so I think either the teams are going to come down on them or the coaches, somebody is going to come down on them um, if they have any balls. And I think I think this is uh, there's some money. You know, the, the first match is at Madison Square Garden, so somebody's got some, some fucking money on the line. And um, uh, that, I don't think that's going to fly. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like those problems will just weed themselves out, like you said. Uh, just as an FYI, John and Denny just arrived, so. From Secret Mission Alpha. <clears throat> Anywho, uh, anything else you want to touch on with that? John looks like a beaten man right now. I pulled my hamstring. What? Oh, God. Pulled, pulled a hammy. What were you foot racing someone on the 405? No, it was total bullshit. So we get there. You um, want to throw yeah. these on? Yeah, so the, I guess uh, to catch up, catch up no, what's going I'm on. Right. I'm so mad. But uh, are you going to plug in? Yeah. <laughs> we, we just got done catching up with uh, Steve on the grid. Oh, nice. And yeah. like the, how, how the team dynamic will outweigh individual performance or if there's like going to be personality issues between some potential like individual all-stars and coaching, you know, just classic team sport type of stuff. Team mentality. But it was pretty interesting. He said, yeah, there's possibility for that based on who we've seen at the you know, Hello, online. Can you talk to me? Yeah, he's on it. What's up, Oh yeah, okay, good. I just couldn't hear anybody else. Should we uh, should we transition to our weekend? Should we talk about sure. the Hunger Games? The Hunger the Hunger Games. Let's do it. Yeah, guys, I'm gonna have to duck out in like 15 minutes so I can repair my fridge. But I'm gonna I want to talk okay. about the games too. All right, cool. So um, there well, there we were. There we were. In the the CrossFit football booth. Slinging certs and shirts and, and watching people's verts. Testing verts. Oh my uh, god. And that's it. So good recap. Uh, what's next? <laughs> yeah. So what what was different about this year is we the SMEs had a little SME village that was separate from the vendors last year. Uh where we And I liked were, that. We were out in the mix and lots of traffic came by, but this year they put us in with the rest of the lackeys. And uh but we were like the centerpiece. Uh, around the center arena. We were, Is that what they call yeah, it? Yeah, we were the epicenter of the epicenter. But uh, no, it was, it was a good year. There's a lot of traffic and a lot of talk and a lot more recognition of uh, CrossFit football. People weren't asking if we were a team. They knew the program. Yeah. They knew us as individuals. They knew the podcast. So it was pretty cool uh, that, that that progress was going blown forward. And then we collected a ton of information about uh, all the people who would jump because it was like a like being at a circus people just want to step right up and test their feats of strength um, on that vertical jump tests and text what was the total amount that we collected on that one day 175 175 people jumped and that's that's we missed this opportunity john's like hey we got to collect this data after day two that's like one that's basically like one full day yeah so it was probably like 500 jumps we could have collected yeah and it's the reason we really wanted to do it was that we needed a baseline for the field strong 
So after looking at the cross-section of uh, CrossFit Games attendees and their jumps and their averages compared to FieldStrong, uh, I don't know. Maybe um, I think the vert tech might be a key factor in testing some of these vertical and how you test. Because I mean, obviously, we saw people have better jumps across the games than we had on field strong. As you know, in terms of like looking at the the groups as holes. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you know the vert tech is really a, a key factor because you know if you're jumping against the wall or jumping to something, I mean, maybe it's you know not the same. Maybe if you're by yourself and not in a, an environment with a whole bunch of people out there, they're I mean, cheering you on, yeah. watching. I mean, so. I, um, and the other thing too is when they come up, they're getting a little bit of coaching too. So they have several attempts, and it, well, they're it trying works. to impress you. Oh, I know, which I is mean, impossible. So, I mean, like, jump are they forty-five trying? inches, and you get to take the hands out on a date. Whatever. And you kind of have that visual goal. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a yeah, a, a target, mm -hmm. as opposed to just jumping as high as you can aimlessly. Well, and that, and also, I think people have to watch other people jump, so you get a better understanding of mm -hmm. how to jump. I mean, people are, are you know, we're, you know, visual monkeys in a lot of ways. We we'll have, do you guys have, sorry to cut you off, do you guys have like a, um, like an, I know you haven't crunched any numbers yet, but like an eyeball average? I'm always curious about what would be like a decent vert for the average kind of fitness junkie. Um, and I guess, yeah, I mean, wasn't it 19? No, so that's from it, like more like from field strong, like yeah, the data we if, collected. Like, if, if somebody that's came up and had anything over, I mean, like, usually anything over about 28 inches, I was like, oh, that's okay. Texan, you say it was 29 point something, yeah, yes. anything in the 30s. Like, you know, 28, it should be, you know, fairly decent. Anything in the 30s, uh, if you get into the high 30s and into the 40s, that's pretty fucking phenomenal. So the other data that we collected was we kind of cross-referenced that with, like, their their back squat numbers. I think we got power clean one arm as well. So, but, that, and the, the, but those are reported. That, like, anecdotal. Yeah. Those are reported. <clears throat> but I mean, how many people, when you said, hey, what do you squat? They were like, 540. <laughs> or did they just go like, well, about, yeah. it was well about. Yeah, most people. Of course. It's like when you talk to somebody, they're like, oh, I'm an Olympic lifter, and you go, what's your total? And they go, well, about, you know, 300 pound clean. And you're like, first of all, you're using pounds, so you're not an Olympic lifter. Exactly. You, you, would, you would know exactly what your total was. I mean, if, you know, if you were to ask an Olympic lifter, like, oh, what's your, like, what do you total? They'd be like, oh, uh, 325 kilos. Like, they know exactly what they totaled. Yeah, our field strongers reported average of 25 and a quarter. And our average for the games was, was just higher. So, I, I, you know, there's something to be said. I would imagine that could it be a four inch jump jumping on the vertex? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe watching other people jump, a little bit of encouragement, getting through jumps, how to get a little bit of coaching. I mean, it can be four jumps. I mean, four, four. Well, but I mean, but couldn't it also be the fact that? Um, the people on Field Strong are still training this, right? So a couple of the people are new to the program, um, whereas these guys might have been doing this for a long time. Pretty much, there's about a million different factors that we could play in here. But, we, uh, but if we've also, you know, we asked, um, you know, have you done this before? Some people said yes, some people said no. I mean, I, I just, I think like, I think it's a mixture of being in front of a crowd, having a target to go for, and then not having an obstacle near you. So, uh, you... and there was a fair bit of heckling going on. <laughs> no. <laughs>
so, I mean, that helps too. But it was cool. We had the guys over from Westside come over and test their vert, like a couple of them. What did AJ get? They both got around 30. So just around 30, right, uh, Tex? Yep. So AJ uh, Roberts. Yeah, which is what we'd expect. I mean, they're bigger guys. Yeah, that's right. a lot of weight. Yeah. You know. It would be been cool to see some people from CrossFit weightlifting come over, like Kendrick Barris. That would have been. Bobby was Bobby was hustling on the get over. I know, I know. Yeah. I'll tell you, the most aesthetically pleasing jumps were the kids. We had a lot of like teenage, 13, 10, 12, 11 year olds just kind of just show up. They're courageous. They jumped, and then they were out jumping a lot of, you know, experienced prospectors. Yeah. They hadn't learned any poor movement patterns. Yeah, I like to hear that. Uh, John John uh, was able to talk with Dr. Romanoff, who was at the games, about jumping. And what were his four or five criteria that he was talking about that were potential limiting factors in a jump? Uh, he said fear was a major factor. Fear. Confidence was another one. And then uh, just having had enough opportunity to jump, be able to jump. Yeah. So, so the Russians, or from what he said, when doing the research, they established that there were 500 different mechanisms associated with allowing somebody to jump. There, were, there was a chemical, physical, and emotional uh, that had to do with jumping, that if you believed that you were a good jumper, you could jump higher. That like confidence was a major factor, um, understanding, you know, timing, I mean, having enough opportunities to jump. I mean, it was, it, it was pretty extensive. So he goes, you know, it's very difficult to take somebody who's never done the test, never, you know, really, you know, done their jump, or somebody that doesn't really believe they're a good athlete. I mean, you know, how many people did we run into that were like, oh, what'd you do with nothing? I mean, this is really my first opportunity. Uh, you know, I always think about that one crazy dude that we had at the regionals that was like, whoa, oh, smash. Tomorrow, and tomorrow. he, and oh, he yeah. just jumped straight up, and you were like, holy, like that dude has, that guy's confidence in his ability to do everything. Oh, yeah. crazy. Mm -hmm. Like the power of like I will like. Uh, He's also juiced out of his fucking mind. You know, what's oh, yeah. funny is <laughs> the guy was on a lot of Chelsea and Calorie running the vertex in terms of confidence. So he gets Chelsea's number and then turns immediately <laughs> to Cali. He's like, Hey, can I have your number? Right in front of Chelsea, and they both gave him his number. Yeah. They both went out with him. Yeah. Same it was, time. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, one after another, Chelsea what dropped. Is this like a dating? Is this like a oh. date? <laughs> Well, that's actually uh, the vertical jump is how Callie and Chelsea select their future. Uh, oh, like, so it's like it's like a lecking. Mates. In in biology, in biology, we call that lecking when uh, the female birds they sit on the beach and then the male birds dance around. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exactly what it is. Because, you know, like, like my whole deal is that uh, they should have a vertical jump test to decide whether or not you can reproduce. <laughs> I so have if, if you have like an 18 inch vertical they're like sorry you didn't get you know 42 here's all of your women imagine from a young age how like fathers would be teaching their sons to vertical jump on a vert tech and be like you know what we're gonna start working on this now because when you're 18 if you jump in the 40s you get a whole harem if you're, this... if you're 18, <laughs> you get nothing so this whole thing is this really is like an onion there are a lot of layers to it because like uh like you were saying about what uh, Dr. Romanov said, you know, if your vertical jump really is a way of kind of selection, I guess, if you exhibit confidence, that's also extremely attractive. So there are there there are some overlap there. And not only can you jump high, but you're probably confident as well. It's pretty funny that you mentioned that, John, because everybody who comes up is like, oh, I suck at this. I can't jump at all. 
Seriously, they're fucking awful. Uh, but anybody who comes up and I'm like, hey, have you done this before? No. I can jump pretty high or like, oh, yeah, I did 10 years ago and my vert was 38 or whatever. I'll be like, I will heck, I'll still heckle them publicly and be like, yeah, right. Okay. 10 years ago, like whatever, you know, lots changed in 10 years. And uh, I remember doing that specifically to a couple people and they're like, yeah, well, whatever. They're like nonchalant. They get set up and on their first jump, they just swipe all of the, all of the little tabs, right? And make me look like a giant asshole, which is totally fine. But they're, they come in confident and they jump with like such like nonchalance that they like hit, hit every single tab. And I'm like, all right, well, uh, I guess I'm wrong. But they, you know, like that's the attitude that they had coming into it was that they knew that, that they had a good vertical jump. So some people wouldn't even do it. Yeah, they would come up and they're like, no, no, they should like, come on, man. Yeah. Well, fear. But uh, I mean, outside of the jump test, we got to meet a bunch of people, uh, a bunch of our loyal followers. I know that we hung out with Ben Taylor quite a bit. We did our CrossFit experience, experience and a lot of the people that are that are in on the program. We met some guys from Canada who've been following <clears throat> the programming religiously for four like four years. And um, I mean, the guy has set national records up in Canada on his powerlifting stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, we hear all these amazing stories, and it's just super cool to get a face to a name and now like a face to a handle on uh on the power athlete site so that was a that was also a, one of the best one of the best parts of going to the games that's always meet those people. yeah that's always the best part that's always the best part um yeah just when you can meet people face to face and get an understanding for ways that we can improve or things that they like about the program or just general feedback um <laughs> I know Denny's voice was recognized by numerous the voice. podcast the voice. I did my best imitation of you earlier. I would say, well, it wasn't my best, but was, I tried. Did you get the Chicago accent? I did. I did. Oh, then afterwards, speaking of Chicago, when we went to a place I have never been before. No, we did not go to Chicago. But after Sunday at the games, I guess it's a tradition. I don't remember if we did it last year, if I didn't go Sunday of last year, but uh, we went to Dickie Portillos, yeah. which I had never been to. I had a, a sausage wrapped in another meat of some kind. Uh, I don't know. Italian combo. Yeah, ita Italian combo. And it Italian was beef, poor sausage. delicious. <laughs> yeah, everyone I am, Everyone seemed to enjoy that. It was actually Once you run to Portillos, instantly... You know, it's like Danny slipping into like you know his high school letterman's. Well, you know Danny's a Packers <laughs> fan, right? Well, yeah, isn't everybody? No. Danny's been totally faking a Bears fan and Dicka fan, and he's just all bombarded out. What? I was never asked. Well, right? it was assumed. It was assumed. It was assumed. So I mean, did you ever see? Like, well, I mean, you were pretty happy to talk to Jared Allen. I mean, you know, like. Well, who like, would it be? The like, dudes you got to get Brett, Brett Favre on there. Well, I got I got him. <laughs> I'm reaching out to Favre. Red, Red Favre. Favre. Okay. <laughs> Is that hair gel? Uh, but, uh... So, yeah. yeah Did you notice when we were at Portillo's, the amount of food that was at the table, like, we destroyed that in, like, five minutes. Yeah. Not yeah. everybody just kind of looked at each other and passed napkins around, didn't say much. It's gone. I think it was we the had, first like, a one done. crowd of people watching <laughs> us eat. Yeah, it's like barn animals. Yeah, it was. It, well, I mean, well, I mean it's like, long days at the games, and I got and, some good and, pictures and, you know, from that too. Both we both were eating like one full meal, 
in like a year. Bo, Bo <laughs> consumes two things of a hot it's cheese. Like eight dish. ounces of yeah. Yeah, cheese whiz. And I quote Bo Colombo. One thing America has over all the other countries I've been to is their ability to produce liquid cheese. Yeah. So he's he's world traveled and he has not found anything that remotely parallels or compares to the hot cheese that is given at Portillo's. And I swear he drank, uh, I don't know if you don't know ounces, it's literally like half of a shaker of hot cheese. Yeah. Yeah. A ridiculous amount. Well, I mean, that hot cheese will probably coat his stomach and help him uh, <laughs> fight, you know, bacteria. fight off bacteria and anything else that he'll encounter Parasites. in the rainforest. That's all right. Surprised he used to cover his arm in cheese. Oh, it was a big help, though. Well, it, um, also with the games, uh, did anything surprise anyone in terms of uh, winners, uh, any of the workouts? Uh, I thought it was highly endurance-based this year, a lot of running involved. Which is honestly, I don't even recall. I have to go back and look. Well, we, there were a lot I, of. I didn't see any of the events. Yeah. <laughs> no, we were at the, at the booth. Well, did you? You guys already talked about the games and as far as uh, we just the performances. We just started. I mean, no, the surprise the booth or on podcasts. Yeah. We just started. Yeah. We just started by talking yeah. about it. But uh, so Fro is he? I didn't hear. Is this a formal announcement that he's bro? not competing? Fro bro? Fro bro? bro? Bro bro is a team bro. Rye fro is what I call him. Well, I don't think the bro, now that the bro's got a baby, I don't know if he can put in as much training time. I mean, you know. Well, I read, And also, he's been sick. Like, I heard the guy's been, like, pretty ill. Yeah. I mean, just from the mere fact that, like, when you train, you know, 27 times a day, it's going to fucking beat you down. I mean, the guy's probably like, how am I going to be able to do this? That's so, what happened to Luke. He got so, sick. Train one day. <laughs> well, I pulled my hamstring. <laughs> Are we all making sad confessions? No, I'm really upset. No, I, really, I, I, really I, I was all psyched up to go deadlift today. We we're going to do some speed work, fucking jumping. I got all this fucking dynamic work I wanted to do, and I pulled my hamstring. You're fine. We kind of deadlifted. Fuck I mean, me. that was functional movement. What did we say? It's about five, 600 pounds? Yeah, Up and down flight of stairs. stairs. Oh, God. Not like living so rooms or a house stairs. stairs. These are like rock And then like, like it shale and the stone piece of that well on the step broke off as I stepped on it and I like stumbled and fell and then already held this thing to the ground, smashed my knuckle and pulled my hamstring. So well uh So not, we, we were sewing it. Yeah, but did he he decided not to take it yeah. in the end. Well, let's so when I when, when I dropped it. Okay, so what <laughs> yeah, this, this is yeah. a product of the games as well because we yeah. remember what do we what's it called? The true runner? Yeah, so so we ended up with the uh yeah with, with the true runner. The guy came by, dropped one off. Which is he, a treadmill that's self-propelled by yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's kind of it's cave. got a pretty killer curb. And so we we had they they had it at the uh endurance, endurance at the endurance booth and we were watching it. I'm like, that thing's awesome. So I ended up making friends with the owner or the the head guy. He came by, he he did the whole demo and everything for Cali, and he left one with us. Um and we have a Woodway, and we decided, hey, we're going to get rid of the Woodway. So we put it on our favorite garage sale site, and a guy hit us up and uh, was going to give us extra money if we delivered it. So I got up to deliver it, and uh, when we got there, the guy was like, hey, um, we unload it. And I'm like, there you go. And the guy's like, ah, we, we got to plug it in. And I'm like, okay, where's the plug? He's like, downstairs. John's like, no. No, I'm like, no, 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 no. no. I'm like, get an extension cord. Yeah, yeah. So like the guy's like, oh, you know. So he's like, well, let me get my son out here. And the guy's like 6'5", 100, 
six pounds. His son's like six three, like ninety three pounds. Really? Right? And they're both not wearing shoes. Like, forget it. Get your wife. Right? And I was like, yeah. Don't get your wife. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> so finally, I'm like, dang, just grab it. So as we're walking down, they have like these stone steps. One of the stones just gives way as I'm as I'm stepping on it as I'm walking down the stairs. And as I do it, I stumble back and I do this like exaggerated yeah. RDL in front of me. Smash my knuckle, pull my hamstring. So I pick it up and I'm like, this motherfucker, we go in. And when I dropped it, uh, I think the screen broke. So we plug it in. He's like, the screen doesn't work. I'm like, it worked fucking yesterday. And uh, uh, and so um, so then the guy's like an asshole. And I was like, fine. And he calls the people. He's like, screen's 400 bucks. I'm going to take 400 bucks off. And then the guy's like, what are these nicks? And he's going him and Han. And he's like, his wife's like, what's up to you? And he's like, I don't know. There's some, you know, these, there's nicks and there's rust on the inside it's going of, into of, a of the handles. And, and he's like, oh, it's going to be going to a new house. And then he's like, you're buying a new house and you're looking for a used treadmill on Craigslist. On Craigslist. Yeah. So finally, I was like, well, then take it upstairs. And the guy like comes out with his son. And I was like, oh, fuck. Just like we picked it up. And I was like, we're fucking out of here. Did you guys take the treadmill to a field and just beat the shit out of it? No, what we were going to do, I should have just backed up, dumped it into his fucking driveway, and just sped away. I know. I, he didn't pay you to come out there in yeah. the end, did he? Yeah, no. And, and then the guy stepped us. So that that was Praxis, though, right? We talked about that. What was the slope of those stairs? It was pretty fucking steep, dude. Yeah. And if the guy had told me that we were going to have to move it downstairs, because I even said to him, like, okay, we're dropping off, just putting, oh, yeah, no problem. We'll plug it in, then we get there, and the guy totally lied. Mm-hmm. So moral story is... California. Get a lighter treadmill. Get a lighter treadmill. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I called some other guy, and he's coming. Yeah. So... Uh, but you did get your workout in, in a sense. You, yeah, you well, deadlifted. Pulled my hamstring. I mean, dude, I, the, the fact that I didn't blow it and kill myself, it was amazing. Yeah. Is Steve still on here? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'm so gonna, what, uh, go ahead. Yeah, one thing we were just talking about yesterday with Ant as well, the physio detective too, to talk uh, about the games a little bit more, is the athletes who, because of the grid or other things, ended up pulling out of the games, which was interesting. Do you know any athletes who were competing in the grid who pulled out of uh, the well, games? I, I, I think that might be backwards. There's a lot of people who, uh, a lot, there's a handful of people who signed up with grid teams and then pulled out because of the games. Really? Oh. So, well, I, I know there were athletes that had uh, signed grid deals that, that kind of walked on them just because of the games. But I mean, yeah. I, I, there were a couple athletes that uh, got nicked up at the games and then decided like, hey, you know what? I, um, I'm not going to push yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not going to push it. I got mm-hmm. some other things to play for. So I mean, that's just being smart. Yeah, I think it's being smart. And I, I mean, I think what happened with the, the people who signed with grid and then didn't go to the games, I think it was sponsorship stuff. You know, I think some people basically um, got some phone calls saying, you know, it's it's them or us. And I don't think that came from, I don't think, I don't, obviously this didn't happen to me, but um, I don't think that was from CrossFit. I think that was from sponsors that are um, affiliated with the games. But, um, you know, nobody on our team, you know, um, had that happen. I, I absolutely love uh, that drama. Um, in most facets of life, I don't really care about it, but it just makes me so happy and excited uh, that like sponsors are, you know, so involved and they want to protect these athletes or they want to protect their brand. And it just, I don't know, it just goes to, to credit the seriousness of like this sport now. It's kind of cool. Oh, with, with this com- co- competing league, uh, is this like, is there going to be a dawn of fitness agents? <laughs> I mean, 
Maybe we should start Show that text. me the money. I've seen Jay McGuire, which, you know, it's not that even that complicated. Yeah, you can negotiate some contracts. It's yeah, free. shake some hands, mm-hmm. blow smoke up people's asses. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, what's your, or who's the other, what's that girl's name? The actress. Uh, yeah. Squish, squish face. Squish face. Squish face. Squish face. <laughs> Renee Zellweger. Oh, yeah. She's actually from Katy, Texas, so fun fact. She would be. Super ordinary taxi lover. <laughs> yeah, real ordinary, not real hot, got an annoying voice. <laughs> so we had a couple questions submitted to us. Hey guys, I'm gonna, uh, before you go, Danny, I'm going to go silent here. I'm going to listen, but I'm going to start fixing my refrigerator, okay? Okay. All right. Good luck. Is it running? Because you better go catch it. Oh. There's a knee slapper. Uh, All right. See you, fellas. He's like, <laughs> it's like such an old, old man joke. So what questions do we have, Danny? Uh, Dave Smith, he submitted. He says, hey, guys and Callie, I was wondering if you could tell me your opinion of active rest on a rest day. A person I train with decided to row with good form on a rest day to break a sweat but not push themselves hard. Mm, should row with bad form on a rest yeah, day. Yeah, so row with bad form. <laughs> I know the idea of train fast. Or train fast, play, perform fast is important. Is active rest to break a sweat like this going to potentially negatively impact performance, not affect performance, or improve performance if you are not going to push yourself? Thanks for the info. So I guess he, I guess he wants to know if what active yeah. rest is going neg- to negatively train him yeah. basically i would say no not in that situation depends obviously if he's rowing 26.2 miles on the row machine at a slow pace then that's way too much so um, well, i'd like to know what the purpose is yeah like if he's trying to promote blood flow to his lower back because he just did deadlifts a day before or something you know there's a lot of other things you can do um you don't have to just go into something that's like your stereotypical uh row um, we have been known to like cross train, like go for a swim or something, just something easy, uh, nothing that's going to be, you know, uh, super taxing and going to inhibit some kind of performance the day after or the week after. But, um, you know, like, just like Luke's saying, like, what, what's the purpose of, uh, your active rest? Like, well, the worst thing you can do is do nothing, right? Like on Wednesdays, no. The worst would thing be you the, can do on Wednesdays is go off do, and do do too much. Too much. That's the worst thing you can do is too much. Um, so I mean, my opinion is we and we have. I know that Luke and I have slightly differing opinions on this kind of stuff. I like I like to do things like go for a hike on rest days. I yeah, I do that all right. the time. But that's but that's just you know for me that's just it's not even I wouldn't even consider that steady state cardio or anything. That's just about getting my body moving so that I'm not sedentary throughout the day so that some sort of physical activity, some sort of blood flow is occurring. That's what I mean. On your rest day, the worst thing you can do is nothing. Sit around and just... Not necessarily. You could think of it also as a a limiting factor day. So maybe, maybe you don't have time to add those weaknesses into your field strong. So maybe you can attack your ankles, your feet, your, uh, your hips, your shoulder, anything and everything that's bothering you. When you do have some downtime, a nice steady warm up, break a sweat, and then invest time in your, your true limiting factors, not just weaknesses, but you know, nicks and knacks and uh, just weak, weak joints, stabilizers. 
Yeah, I think it, it depends on what your training looks like too. So if you're like ridiculously sore, let's say you just competed, you're like did a two day event or something, CrossFit type thing, and you are super duper sore. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of value to moving your body, mm-hmm. moving through space. That's that would huge. Be, does it re- isn't that the gluing effect? Texas, know what Ralph talked about? More or less. That breaking up that fascia and uh, it's an opportunity to actually work on movement pattern and patterning uh, when you have that severe trauma because everything's kind of hyper receptive to movement and pattern. Yes. So um, just after those uh, those intensity days and when you're, you know, truly muscles are beat to shit, then it's just an opportunity to perfect movement in a stressed uh, fatigue state, even though it's the next day. Uh, so most people think fatigue is after your workout, but fatigue is definitely the carryover, the hangover from the next day. So your opportunity to move perfect and then kind of ingrain that movement pattern, not only in uh, your brain, but also your muscles. So it sounds like what that guy is saying is if, if like, let's say rowing form was a limiting factor, that could be a potential time where he's like talking about perfect form I or guess, something. That seems like a stretch. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, but yeah. I think people tend to do way too much on yes. on rest days. They're like, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna swim two miles. You know, what, that's not that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> what about the sharks, Callie? They stop moving. They die. That's exactly it. I I just oh, that's my mantra in life. But shark sharks can also swim extremely slow. Yeah, just like a tiny bit. That's well, and. If you are a shark, there's a pretty good chance you'll get sucked up in a tornado. Sharknado, yes. And uh, yeah. catapulted through cities, devouring <laughs> buildings and humans relentlessly. Uh, uh, there's a documentary. There's a documentary, there's a documentary. released yes. called Sharknado. <laughs> and Sharknado too. The story of Kelly Hinsberg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody else on the forums asked about, um, I guess a while ago, John mentioned that he was in the process of developing a bulletproof shoulder sequence. They were curious if there was any kind of update on that. Uh, whenever we have time to finish it, uh, and more importantly, film it. I mean, it's yeah. really been our opportunity to film stuff. So, I mean, it's uh, as things get filmed and we can put stuff out there, we'll put it out there. It's just we just have the time to film all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like so many things in the world. So many irons in the fire. Mad irons. But I guess keep your ears on the rail. Right now we're we're trying to figure out. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot of the stuff that John, the people that John's talked to over the past two or three weeks since testing, um, what the next field strong is going to look like. And I, I know he's writing up a blog post to give the, everybody a, a preview of that. Um, but it's just been the, the testing week is, was eye-opening for us. So we're trying to figure out what's the best approach to cover the largest cross-section of our athletes based off of their results. Yeah, we, um, yeah, I mean, the, the testing was interesting and, and it was both enlightening as I wasn't really expecting the testing to go as, as it went. I mean, just a lot of the numbers were extremely inconsistent. Like, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's obviously, as we talked about, there's a lot of controls in the testing. There's a lot of controls in the program as there's people doing the program that we know that we've trained with that are, you know, one of the guys on there trained their gym for a long time. He was a pretty high level, uh, collegiate receiver at Arizona and, you know, does the program and he's kind of my control in a lot of ways because I 
actually worked with him. I know where he comes from. I know what his history is. I know how he moves. And so a lot of the results were not necessarily typical of what I'd expect. And uh, it forced me to have to do not only some uh, some soul searching, but to actually actually go out and do a research uh, about the program and more importantly, how I meet the demands and the needs. And as Luke said, I had to reach out to a, a lot of different people and Put in a lot of time and work on it like i reached out to first i talked to mark ripto about uh, strength and jumping and then that obviously led to a conversation i had with louis simmons about it about um you know uh, jumping and how to increase vertical and and uh, box jumps and some dynamic stuff and then louis sent me his new book and we, we went through that and started testing some stuff and then had a great chance to talk to dr romanoff as well about it and then i had a conversation yesterday with dr fred hatfield about the same stuff and presented a lot of the information got their feedback on you know how i necessarily drive the program so luke made a funny comment he said you're the only guy i know that would uh put in this many hours and talk to this many uh, you know pillars in this deal to try to drive your program and then people are like i don't have time to execute your program for 20 dollars a month and it's just like kind of blows us away it's like uh you know, we'll get feedback. People are like, oh, it's too much work. I don't have time for this much work. And it's like going to a restaurant and being like, they gave us too much food again. I'm never going back to that restaurant. No. Or, you know, I went to that drink. They poured me way too nice, a, too big a drink and a too much alcohol. And I'm like, you know what? You don't have to drink at all. You don't have to eat all the meal. You can leave a little on your plate. So I, I think when we hear that, I think it's a fucking cop out. I think people just, you know, don't want to get better. It's just easier just to go with the status quo. I think the program is challenging and it's not fucking easy. It's not just come on and let me get sweaty. I mean, we're, we're really stressing movement. We're asking people to do some really unique things. And I think we're trying to create a program that not only challenges people, but forces adaptation and makes you better. And I don't always know if people are uh, willing to do what it takes to get better. And, you know, that's a sad realization, but it's just part of the deal, you know. But I, I'm excited about this next cycle. Um, I'll do a blog post about a little bit what I learned, and we got some great conversations taped, and be able to really write some cool stuff. But the big part is, is we saw kind of a divergence in kind of two types of people, and um, you know we have that kind of faster twitch and that slow twitch athlete. So then, how do we design programming that meets the needs of both? Where if you're you know more on this side, do you get a little bit of what you need, and how here, and how does it kind of mix? And uh, that's been the real, real. Uh, interesting deal and I think when I start writing this up and put the blog post out and really push it out there the biggest thing with people is can they be honest can they look at their results and be like okay this is where I am this is the kind of athlete that I've obviously tested and I think you just have to be honest and be like you know what that's fine now I got to take a step back and I got to reassess or I got to go in this direction because these are the limiting factors or this is what's preventing me from getting better and what would keep them from that is them wanting to lift heavier weights right they just want to be able to lift heavier weights. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the conversation we had with Dr. Fred Hatfield yesterday was, you know, people can get to a certain point just doing what they're doing, but at some point, you know, you have to go back and really, uh, you know, look at limiting factors in terms of speed, in terms of movement, in terms of technique, and you know, all of a sudden. Uh, you know, a bad movement pattern becomes the limiting factor for strength. And how do you start teaching movement patterns and really take people back and start talking about this idea as movement being a uh, you know limiting factor for your body's ability to generate strength? And there's uh, some stuff with mental. We went into a bunch of mental um, you know imagery. Well, he got and, spiritual as well. Yeah, right? he even got spiritual on me, which yeah. I wasn't expecting. But this idea of 
you know, you have to be present in everything that you're doing, that there's no longer just like, hey, I'm going to go turn off my brain and go work out, that you have to be present in the moment, you have to be focused in everything you're doing, that merely just getting under and turning your brain off uh, what is is no longer a just an option. And it was something that he talked about a little bit with the CrossFit, that, you know, the CrossFit athlete is so apt to just like turn their brain off and work and that they're not present. And the part that he didn't really like is he saw a lot of athletes that just weren't engaged in what they were doing they were just trying to just suffer their way through it and he didn't like that uh the other one was um would you say that's survival though like because it's a different type of training you know so it's almost like wouldn't you say that is like a survival thing that like somebody like a seal or somebody would undergo that type of training because if you're sitting there in the moment what are the chances are they higher that you're gonna quit if you're super present uh he talked about a higher level of consciousness in everything you do um, that, you know, just basically being numb to everything is, is not how you reach elite human performance, that being in the moment of everything, you know, now if you're talking about a seal, just basically suffering while stuck in the water, like, are, are they yet to, to merely get through this thing? And every seal will ever tell you like buds is, uh, is, is basically designed to weed people out. That's it. Like it's not a elite testing of human performance. It's not. We, I mean, we have friends that were buds instructors, and it's all about how much can we put these guys mm. through and suffer so we can weed out the people that don't really want to yeah, be. There's no real rhyme or no, reason behind it's, anything. It's not about like, hey, we're going to get you Let's in shape to be a seal. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> like those guys come out of buds and they're absolutely destroyed. They're yeah. physically tore up because that's the process. They got to put them through some you know, fire, you know, trial by fire so that they can get through that, get their pen. They've earned it. They're part of a brotherhood. They've shared suffering, the whole deal. And they get to their SEAL team. I mean, look how many SEALs we've worked with that have come out of BUDS that are fucked up. And then they get there and they, they don't do that training. They don't do, they don't keep doing BUDS over and over again. No, they get into a strength conditioning system and they work on strength and speed and getting healthy and strong and stable. And, you know, that's really what they do. No, but that's their onboarding process. Not to derail of You know, but, uh, you know, that idea of just basically getting out there and just being like, I'm going to go into idiot mode and turn my brain off so I can just suffer through these kettlebell swings in this workout is really what he said uh, when I talked to Dr. Hatfield. He was really just against, he's like, human performance is found at a deeper level of consciousness that, you know, your body's ability to activate white muscle fibers to find strength and power and speed is at this level of consciousness that's deeper than what most people are willing to go into. And I think one thing that we should also clarify too, because we do know some high caliber games athletes is like, uh, not everyone unplugs either at that level. I mean, we just know CrossFitters who that's their strategy. Well, I mean, we've seen, and, and, you know, we've all worked in commercial gyms. I mean, we've done it for years. How many people have you go have you got into in the class and you're trying to actively coach them yeah, and work yeah. with them mm-hmm. and they're just like just, yeah they're just the looking at you like deal. completely blank eyed stare face and they're like I can't hear anything you're saying I'm not gonna listen to anything you're saying and then you talk to them after and they're like I didn't know what was going on and I was like hallucinating you're like dude like like fucking be present be in the moment like I think a lot of people go through their life with that kind of just like I'm going to be numb to everything mm-hmm. because it's easier to survive instead of being present and understanding and it's like um you know I mean uh, all the athletes that are at the games I mean every one of those guys are lucid enough to have somebody count their reps and to know where they are and know what they're doing I mean you have to be present like yeah. there was no turning your brain off like I, I played with guys who you know just turned off and they couldn't make calls they, you know you get down to the line and they were just focused and you're like dude you have to be globally aware of what's going on in your surroundings and i think that was a comment he really made about great athletic human performance yeah um you know the you know bar speed was a big one the idea of train fast be fast train slow be slow 
really being a limiting factor in strength and your ability to display your strength dynamically, which is power. So, I mean, we just had to go back and really just kind of analyze. And a lot of the videos were great. A lot of people posted their uh, their training videos. And, uh, you know, there was just a lot of feedback looking at it, things that we need to correct, things we need to change, and, you know, and just kind of give people a different bit of mindset. Awesome. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see the results. We got text. I got a question. I think you're gonna want to. You're gonna follow <coughs> here from Apache CrossFit. Let's hear it. What do you consider a proper daily pre-practice and pre-game warm-up for field sport teams like soccer and lacrosse? I see too many going through the motions or using static stretching. So I, um, when I was a grad student, I was in charge of all the uh, S and C, and so I. I had attended the CrossFit football seminar. I built this perfect warm-up, and I had the guys do it every single practice. And then come season time and during games, they were flat. We go down like zero three because they weren't priming and firing. So in my experience with the warm-ups, you need to kind of take the demands of the sport at hand, whether it's you know warming up the ankles, the hammies, the calves, uh, being explosive, and you got to keep mixing it up. So that way you're attacking that kind of uh, the CNS and the CNS prime, because at the end of the day, uh, you are preparing them to prepare for the game. So you go through the 10, 15 minute pre-game or pre-practice warm up, and then they go off and they do their ball drills, their offense, defense drills. So if that 10 minutes that you got to really fire up their CNS, as well as hit the ankles, the hips, the hammies, and you can get them game ready and just, uh, you know, excite, excited to play and get their muscles excited as well. That should be the focus. So uh, I, I put it on YouTube. We even have that just long, slow, monotonous lacrosse warm up I put together. And uh, I use it as an example of what not to do. So in theory, it was great. But then the kids were just completely sick of it. And then they were just going through the motions. And by the time they had to play the game and they actually woke up, they're already down three, nothing. Uh, I actually just had a conversation with court Arthur about this and uh, gave him some tips on about uh, implementing it. So, I mean, focus more on central nervous system come game day, and then they're going to get warmed up for soccer and lacrosse in their, their stick drills, their offensive drills, their, their play running. So if you can get them just firing on all cylinders, that should be the goal pre-game. Pre-practice, you can probably invest more in attack and limiting factors, but uh, still they should be firing on all cylinders. Keep it, mix it, mix it up, keep it interesting, and so the kids always stay engaged. Another thing too, yesterday uh, I asked a very similar question. We had a, a video, I don't know, interview with Ant, physio detective Anthony Lowe, and we had him luckily in our presence, and I kind of addressed uh, a similar question, and he he went a little more in depth into warmups and more in a general sense how uh, static stretching and warming up too much can negatively impact performance. And I'm sure at some point Luke will make that publicly. Yeah, today. yeah so Thursday. Today is Thursday. So it'll be yesterday. Okay. I'll do that yesterday. You're you're fired. <laughs> uh, no, so Luke's gonna make it. Um, public so that everyone can kind of see this video. We had a lot of good questions, mainly for my, myself. Mm -hmm. I like to ask a lot of questions. So uh, if uh, Apache CrossFit gets the chance, you should definitely, definitely watch this interview with Anthony and he talks about 
um, preparing the body for performance and what's really needed in, in preparation for different types of movement. Obviously, longer workouts or longer duration type things uh, are, and depending on the movement pattern, really don't need that much of a warm up. And he gives examples. And then obviously, if we're doing like a four minute, just crazy hard hitting, um, you know, a little bit more intense workout, that's going to require a, a slightly different dynamic in terms of warm up. So I encourage him to look at that video when it comes out too. So I guess tactically, Tex, could you, would you say, yeah. um, there are, can you think of just, what would like, for example, movements that we use in the programming, what would you include in a warm up? Uh, if it's, if it's soccer arm swing, if it's lacrosse, no, I love Jimmy Buffett's, uh, for, for lacrosse basically. Um, and then the skips, the high knees, uh, any rotation. So leg cradle lunge twist, um, kind of lateral flexion extension as well. I love the, the high knee to lunge and then actively pull like that, the long foot back into a high knee. So there is no like a secondary step in between. It's long lunge into high knee. Um, and then lateral lunging, lateral shuffling, step catching even, and then progressing step catches, the shuffles. Just basically all we got. And uh, I'm, I may just turn this into an article, kind of uh, warm up protocols. So, but you gotta keep it interesting. You gotta mix it up, just identify the demands and then start from basic and progress the basic to more complex. It's uh, it's simpler than the, the Apache CrossFit's making it out to be. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll put some protocols together. Yeah, and it's, they, they're just curious, you know, and it's what we talked about at the Texas High School Coaches Association as well. It's like, just where are the low-hanging fruit? And I think, you know, it's, these guys probably realize, like, these guys aren't warming up right. They just look like they're flopping over, you know. So, But uh, that puts us at an hour. Is there anything else we want to jump on? Talk about? We hit all the questions uh, that were submitted to us, and they talked about them. They asked in the forums. Okay. Cool. We, have, we recap the games. Mm -hmm. Playtech. I'm excited to see Playtech uh, compete for the uh, uh, for the Miami team. Yeah. 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 I feel uh, I feel like I had a hand in it, seeing as I recommended oh Playtech yeah. to Miami. Uh, <laughs> to pad uh, the back you know, I'm, I'm I'm just telling you that you know. When Playtech, I mean, you'd be nothing without me. Uh, I just well, I, I emailed the guy who's the you know head guy for them, and I was like, you got to keep an eye on the Steve Playtech guy, and he's like, we will. And then he saw me an email last night, and was like, you know, great guy, incredible athlete. We're really stoked to have him. Thanks for, for uh, you know bringing him to our attention. Does this nice. make you Steve's agent? I'm sure Steve's uh, performance had nothing to do with well, it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure Steve didn't really need my help. We do. But I, you know, I, I thought it was good. Any way I can have a hand in somebody's success, I'm going to point it out. We have been known to call John Jerry Maguire. You know, uh, anybody looking for an agent, I do have <laughs> uh, some experience being, you know, dealing with uh, high-level teams. So, you know, not like anybody else out there. I'm probably the only one. All right. Well, you've heard it there. And, I need. Hey, you know, I do know some people at a couple different places. You know, maybe some, uh, you know, sponsorship and a couple people. I could, I could go through my Rolodex or pulling, calling old numbers. <laughs> you heard it here, people. <laughs> you heard it here, Luke Summers. And that's here. the way the cookie crumbles. But uh, go fuck yourself, Cindy. Thanks for <laughs> stopping by. <laughs> 
All right, good show. Denny, uh, Denny, what were your highlights of the visit? Because Denny's actually out here visiting us. He's been here yeah, since Friday HQ night. right now. He's been perpetually drunk because he's been staying. No, the, the highlight was probably riding with me in a car yeah. to uh, hurt myself. <laughs> that had to have been definitely the highlight. No, I appreciate you guys letting me hang out with you for a week. Kind of uh, just asking questions, taking notes, getting in people's way. Um, I got to train a little bit with Luke. Um <laughs> You got the shadow Cali too. Got the shadow Cali at Balboa last night. That was that was the, got to talk to Ben. So uh, you know, thank you guys. God, and what's weird? Isn't it weird how Cali just says, "Okay, do what you want," and then she walks out back and smokes cigarettes? I did think, but I do the same thing. It's a little weird. So the one time I kind of felt the, the one justified. Time I saw Cali coaching. She just broke into a total like just out of nowhere. Don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> it was Ava Perone. And Don't Cry For Me Argentina, and everybody was like, I thought we were going to listen to the radio. And Callie sang for the entire hour, Don't Cry For Me Argentina. I thought that was a dream. That was she also tracks the whip. I kind of felt like maybe I'm too nice because you were just hammering into people. This Guys were, their tears were swelling up in their <laughs> eyes. I mean, well, that's because she the, kicks them in the balls from behind. Tears of yeah. happiness. It, it was just. an appreciation. And, they, yeah. and the weird they were part shaking. is that she makes them call her Mistress Callie. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But that's no yes, Mr. Scully. That's just the morning class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's in private clients. <laughs> Jax, anything? Are we missing anything? What do you? What else? Do, anything we got to plug? Um, uh, we got team series. I'm, uh, I'm actually I'm going to a wedding in Oklahoma this weekend. I'm going to drop into a gym and kind of push Oklahoma, the Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Nice. Yeah, and then Callie, you're going to be on a Everywhere. date with Play Tech, right? You're going on a date with Play Tech this weekend? Uh, not that I know of, but we're doing a seminar in Buford, Georgia. Uh, so you're traveling to Buford for a date with Play Tech and teaching a seminar? Yeah, it's a busy weekend. Yeah. Is Play Tech taking you out for beer and pizza? <laughs> oh this is the worst podcast ever. <laughs> it went from best to worst in 20 seconds. Well, it's because I, you know, when you guys were here, you guys were just gathered up with tax and then You guys know I'm in a serious monogamous relationship. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tad? Yeah, Tad. Tim. 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 It's whatever. Um no, so we have a circuit this weekend in Sorry. Georgia. Then the weekend after that we're Canada and Jersey. Yeah. Right? And then the weekend after that Who's going to Canada with me? Tex? John, Jay, well, okay. The Canadian, uh, the Canadian. Well, Luke can't get across the border. And, I'm bound. Yeah, so it's me. And We're you. just going for uh, French fries and gravy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Almost made it. Then you guys are in Australia, right? And then perfect yeah. That. Then so, Tex and I are going to Australia. Yeah, we, we taught a seminar. We taught what Hawaii. We what, did. What else have we taught? That's it. The only one. Yeah. Reunited and it feels so good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not like Luke Summers who wants to slug it up and drink till two in the morning. I'm like, it's like eight o'clock. Oh, give me a break! <laughs> I was surprised at your singing voice. When we hear when we hear, uh, what was it? Don't forget Argentina. It's, 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 it was. Uh, I'm here all week, people. Everybody's kind of plugging away. And Callie's got her headphones on. Just it was kind of like. Rocks. No, no, it was not. <laughs> more than a feeling. I'm like, neither of those are accurate. No. I'm retired. I'm like, Luke, does she always do this? He's like, actually, uh, the weirdest one was Callie was singing the song from Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was the Ewok song. So I like, like the weird little Ewok party. She's like singing the Ewok. <laughs> I'm like, can you sing the Ewoks? Yeah, 
I try audition to be in the cantina band, but uh, <laughs> I was too good looking. You know, I went to a bar once, and I was pretty sure I was like, "Is this the bar from the Star Wars?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's not on the peninsula. It's called Cassidy. So Cassidy is in Star Wars. <laughs> Here we go. Thank you. Yes. 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 Any requests, Joe? Play that same song. All right, same song. Here we go. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Texas on now. Our sound effects guy. <laughs> Whammy. <laughs> Whammy. All right, let's crush it. Let's call it. It's been fun. It's been fun. It's been fun. Danny. It's great having you here. Thank you. We'll talk great to you to next be here. week. Good thing you didn't pull your hamstring. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 See you. Bye.